Hey everybody, it's Brian with a quick announcement before the show. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Um, And on that topic, I wanted to let you know about a survey that is for queer fans of horror. A woman named Heather, who's a PhD researcher, reached out to us. She's doing some research on the tastes and the habits and the experiences of queer fans of horror. So she has conducted a survey online that you can take if you are a queer fan of horror, and it would really help her research. I flipped through the survey. It looks like it's honestly going to be a lot of fun to take the survey. Um, And there's a question that asks about the podcast you listen to, so go ahead and click us. I think we're one of the options listed there. And to take the survey, you go to https colon slash slash mmu.onlinesurveys.ac.uk backslash queer for fear um and we also have that link posted on our twitter and facebook if you want to go find it there and click on it um so yeah heather is a phd researcher and she's doing this as part of her dissertation at the center for gothic studies at manchester metropolitan university the manchester center for gothic studies at manchester metropolitan university Sounds like fun. So if you are a queer fan of horror, um, go check out that survey. It will be a great help to Heather and to queer fans of horror everywhere. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone, and this week we're going to be reviewing the 2017 horror film The Killing of a Sacred Deer, starring Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, and directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. This film is a story of a cardiac surgeon whose family begins to fall ill mysteriously. Um, Brian, this movie has like pretty high ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, like an 80%. It's been nominated for uh, a bunch of screenplay awards. Uh, have you, had you heard about this one before? I had heard it mentioned on Twitter, but I had no idea what it was about. Yeah. The name did sound really familiar. And I was surprised to see such a big cast in it too. Oh but, yeah. A lot of big names. Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. <laughs> where did, where did she come from? I don't know. I, I don't know if she's even been in things recently. I'm I'm sure she has, but I haven't seen her in a long time. I haven't seen her since she got in the trunk of that movie Access Baggage, where she got kidnapped. You remember that movie uh, from the '90s? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't sh- know if I ever saw that one. Oh yeah, I just figured she never came out of that trunk, and that's where she's been for like 20 years. <laughs> but but yeah, all of a sudden she's uh she's popping up in this movie pretty crazily. Yeah, I'm uh, clueless as to where she came from. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Whatever, man. <laughs> uh, is that? Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know she was going to be in this. And then, like, I thought I recognized that actress. Uh, and then, yeah, later I saw it was her. I, did you know it was going to be her going into it? No, no. But I, I knew immediately who she was. I've seen Clueless like twenty five times. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I know. Such such a classic movie, and spa- spawned a great TV show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like this is a pretty well-reviewed movie, especially for a horror film. Uh, it's an A24 film, which I felt like it's pretty consistent with all the other A24 films we've seen in terms of like the vibe and uh, feeling yeah. of it. Did you f- very arty? Yeah, 
Hey, do you think when you're a horror film and you're going to get like produced or funded by A24, like there's a checklist that A24 has, like your movie has to have like so many scenes of like characters not talking to each other or like silence or this much level of art? Like how are they all so consistent? Yeah, they've definitely got a vibe. It's it's pretty interesting. Isn't it? It's a, yeah, I've never seen a studio that's like been able to cultivate like so many similar type or like feelings of movies from like so many different directors. Yeah, I guess you just you find a vibe you and you stick with it. A twenty four has come to be like people come to expect that from A twenty four, and it's kind of like if they know that they have a an audience who's willing to see an A twenty four movie and knows what to expect, then yeah, why not yeah. distribute these type of films? Keep going yeah, with it. Exactly, and and it's like it's like in such contrast to some of the other horror film houses. Like I I feel like Blumhouse or is it Bloomhouse? Um, you know I. I've always pronounced it Bloomhouse, and I typically hear it pronounced Bloomhouse, but part of me thinks it might be Blumhouse. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's like that guy's last name, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that, that uh, Bloomhouse or whatever, like they've got such a different uh, vibe, like more like the pop-out scares, and A24 keeps it more on the atmospheric, emotional side, I guess. Speaking of directors who work with uh, A24, this guy, Yorgos, uh, so he's done... The Lobster and the movie that came out, uh, I think, like last year, The Favorite, both I think have been pretty well received, right? Yeah, um, critically acclaimed of The Favorite. So Yorgos has been nominated by uh, nominated for four Academy Awards. He got a Best Foreign Language Film in 2011 for a movie called Dogtooth, hmm. Best Original Screenplay for The Lobster, and then yeah, The Favorite got nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. You seen any of those? I've seen the favorite. How about you? I haven't seen any of them. Um, but watching this one, I, I feel like it kind of gave me the vibe of the lobster, even though I haven't seen it, but just from the previews, the favorite kind of seems like a uh, like an outlier from like those two. That that was more about like the old British kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and the favorite is actually it's a bit more outright humorous than this movie was. Yeah. I feel like this movie is definitely a black comedy. Oh uh, yeah. The favorite, I think, was a, a bit more on its face humorous, right? And I think I but think lobster still very is probably tongue more, in cheek, right? And and lobster is probably more of a black comedy, right? I think so, but I I can't say I really know that much about that movie. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm just projecting based on what this movie was. But that that was interesting about this movie. I, I think it's like really dark, but it's also kind of comedic and like how ridiculous some of the scenarios are. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kind of and just some of the things the characters say, like you'll think the movie is completely serious, and then they so- say something where you're like, "Okay, well, that <laughs> yeah. can't have been written in there seriously." Yeah, yeah, it's, give the whole movie like a really weird vibe. <laughs> like, it's, this is one of the strangest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's so confusing. For good um, or for bad. Yeah. Uh, and outside of uh, you know Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, did you recognize um, and Alicia Silverstone? Obviously, uh, any of the other cast you recognize here? Yeah, I recognized the little, the youngest son. I didn't write down his name, but he was in. Um, oh, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> he was in. Oh, that movie. Mid nineties, I think it's called. Oh, okay. I never saw it, but he's on the cover of it. Oh, okay. And wow. A young actor. He was in some other movie I saw, too, that I can't remember. And then Martin, the uh, antagonist, was in Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't recognize he, anybody else. 
he, he was a pretty crazy character too to watch on here. Um, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. yeah, we'll talk more about him in the review, but that yeah. was one thing that worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's wild. Um, did a, oh, <laughs> one of the interesting things about the cast, uh, most of them are foreign uh, like a very, I think like one member of the cast is like actually American, and then you got like Colin Farrell, who's Irish, maybe, and Nicole Kidman, who's Australian, and etc. Um, but throughout the whole movie, what what were the accents? Uh, there's like so many different accents going on here. I I felt like it, in a, supposedly it takes place in Ohio, right? Is that where it takes place? I can't. I know it was shot in Cincinnati. Yeah, supposedly it's supposed to take place in Cincinnati. Uh, okay. And I think the skyline they show is Cincinnati. I thought that was going to be your Ohio connection on this one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the shot oh. in Cincinnati. But I didn't I didn't realize it was supposed to take place in Cincinnati, too. Uh, okay, yeah, I think I, I read somewhere that, uh, yeah, this is supposed to be inside. But, they, but this is funny because they all have, like, these crazy accents. I, I don't know if you picked up on that. I definitely noticed Colin Farrell was still speaking with a bit of his own, like, normal accent. But I didn't pick it up with other people. Yeah, uh... Yeah, it was hard because I, they were speaking so strangely for a movie. I mean, <laughs> this is not a, a conversational, true to life acting situation. It's yeah. extremely robotic. Like the lines are robotically written and robotically read, and it's very off-putting. And it's just yeah. a very stylized movie. And yeah, yeah, it's something. The whole, the whole thing is like delivered like deadpan pretty much. But I, I think you're right. I think Colin kind of had his accent, but then everyone else was just kind of like robotic and, and deadpan the whole time that it made yeah, it. Yeah, robot accent. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was doing the robot the whole movie. Uh, the title of this film, I guess, uh, ties to some Greek uh, tragedy uh, from a book. Um, I don't know if you know more about that story. I, I wasn't too interested in Greek mythology or any of that, but uh, do you know more about that? I've never read a book. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't know I sh- anything about that. Okay. Yeah. But I did read uh, that fun fact as well. <laughs> yeah. If someone wants to go out and read that story, there's there's a book out there that ties to uh, the idea of the killing of a sacred deer. Um, and then let us know what it, what it's about because we can't yeah, find re- it anyway. Report back to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll edit something in here that is worthwhile. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I didn't have much else except, uh, yeah, just surprised to say Lucia Silverstone. Any other, uh, interesting background on this film? No, that's all I got. I think we can, we can head right into the plot on this one. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, jump into the spoilers and, and talk about our reviews of it, what worked, what didn't work. Um, but before we do that, let's take a quick break. Um, someone lent me an MP3 player and I just gotta go find it really quick. So, uh, I'll <laughs> okay. be right back. Good luck. All right, thanks. Hey, hey, Brian, I'm back. Hey, man, how's how's it? How did it go? Did you find it? Oh, man, I think I lost it back in like 2013 or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one thing. Like this, this film's uh, made in 2017. And you have these kids, and kind of what, what you're talking about, like these conversations that don't make sense or just seem really absurd. And one of the like things that keep going on is like they keep losing an MP3 player. Which who's using an MP3 player anyway at this point? Yeah, losing multiple MP3 players while they talk on their iPhones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just did not make sense. 
<laughs> that was so confusing. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was like a metaphor or something, but uh, it was weird. Kind of just felt like maybe maybe Yorgos is out of touch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like trying to convince the whole cast. <laughs> no, nah, MP3s. That's what all these kids are doing these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just but you smile know, I, and nod. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, but I think that kind of speaks to like a lot of the dialogue in this film. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it throughout our review, but it's just like so out of pace with kind of the ridiculousness of what's happening. And it's kind of yeah. jarring and comedic at the same time, but also nonsensical. Um, wait, was that the word? Nonsensical? Yeah. Did we talk about yeah. non- nonsensical versus nonsensical? Nonsensical? Yeah, there must have been someone else. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Is we that a to... word? Oh, wait, maybe we did do that. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe. we talked about that, and then it didn't make the final cut of an episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that was like the popsicle version <laughs> of the nonsense. Yeah, it was an inside-out popsicle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the nonsense. Uh, so this movie kicks off uh, introducing us to the main character, who's Steven, played by Colin Farrell. He's a cardiac surgeon. Um, he's just wrapping up an operation, and on his way home, he stops to meet this young teenager named Martin. And um, you know, there the dialogue again is like very robotic, and we're like not really made aware of like what their relationship exactly is. Like it, it seems kind of awkward and strange, but um, I don't know. Like, did you have a sense in the beginning, like you know, who these people are, or, like why he was even talking to him? Yeah, you really have no idea who he is. I thought maybe he was his his son that his family didn't know about or something like oh, that. Yeah. They never, they don't explain it until quite a ways into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of open and undefined. Um, yeah. later we, uh, get introduced to Steven's family who, uh, he has his wife, Anna, who's Nicole Kidman and two kids, Kim and Rob or Kim and Bob. Bob is like the young kid. Kim is like the older sister. And again, very mechanical dialogue. Uh, it's like void of any emotion and just very like, Oh, I'm going to do this now. Okay. Let's do this. Or, uh, just, yeah, very, um, uh, I don't know. I, I, what, do you, what do you call those kind of sentences, which are just like very directive and not very uh, full of heart or anything? Those um, are non-sequels. Oh, non-sequel sentences. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the plot moves forward, and Stephen invites Martin to the home, and we're, you know we're still kind of unclear who he is. And Martin comes to the house, meets the family, and you know through conversation, I think we start to learn that Martin is. Uh, the son of a patient that Stephen was uh, doing surgery on, but this patient died, and Martin is the son that's like left over, and uh, Stephen is kind of you know kept in contact with Martin and meets with him kind of on a regular basis. Um, so I, I think you know uh, the, Anna wasn't aware that they were meeting, and her and Stephen just kind of talk about it, um, and uh, Stephen kind of lets her know that that's been going on for a while. And how would yep. you describe Martin? Because I, I mean, so much of this is like his performance in contrast to like the family. Like, I, I don't know how you describe that. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I almost thought about for this episode, it would be beneficial to actually play a clip of the movie just so you could understand <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah. I wish I had written down more quotes too. Like they're at a party or at like a a ball or a conference or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're speaking the dad and mom are speaking to like an old friend or something and he's like our daughter started menstruating last week and they're just like oh that is nice and <laughs> it's just like they say random random shit very <laughs> matter-of-factly yeah everything's like very matter-of-fact exactly yeah and martin talks like that too but maybe even more so than the rest of the family mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but there's yeah. something uh, a little more creepy about Martin. Like he's just like super engaged. Or his questions like very um, imposing almost, or he just like feels like too comfortable almost. Uh, yeah, it almost feels like he has some sort of social disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I think that's part of like uh, that's part of like the awkwardness or uncomfort in this movie is is from his acting too. Yeah, uh, but like, don't people don't seem that off put by it? Yeah, yeah, they and it's kind of not that it. different from how everyone else is talking. It's it's strange. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Um. So they. Uh, yeah. So now the family's met Martin. I think the daughter's kind of taken a liking to him. Um. And then, uh, you know, Martin the next day tells Stephen, "Oh, why don't you come over to my place for dinner?" So Stephen goes to his place and has dinner with Martin and his mom, who's played by Lisa Silverstone. And uh, they watch a movie. I think it was Groundhog's Day, right? It was. It was. Yeah. And uh, halfway through, like, Martin leaves and the mom kind of comes on to Stephen, like, talking about, like, how beautiful his hands are and makes a move. And Stephen um, kind of rejects her and, and gets out of there, still in a very mechanical way. Um, yeah. So then we have, like, some scenes where Martin's, like, really trying to get uh, in a hold of Stephen. He, like, shows up at Stephen's office and th- says, like, something's wrong with his heart. But, you know, he's fine. And he's trying to tell Stephen, like, oh, I want to see you with my mom. And Stephen's like, no, you know, I'm already married and I have kids. So uh, you can you kind of get the sense that Martin's maybe like there's something wrong with him. You know, he's kind of becoming like kind of borderline stalkerish at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and it, at the same time, he's like kind of hitting it off with uh, Stephen's daughter. So it's going to kind of weird. Yeah, they have a bit of a relationship going on. Yeah. So then suddenly one morning, the youngest son, Bob, wakes up. Uh, which isn't isn't it funny that there's like a five or six year old kid in this movie named Bob? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really fit a person of that age. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the youngest Bob I've seen. Uh, <laughs> so he wakes up one morning and his legs are all numb and he he can't get out of bed. So the family rushes him to the hospital and they do all these tests and they can't find out what's wrong with him. Uh, but while they're at the hospital, Martin shows up and um, he explains to Stephen that because Stephen killed his dad in the surgery. Um, Stephen now has to kill someone in his family. Otherwise, each member of his family will slowly die. And it's like through this staged process where first they'll lose feeling of their legs, then they'll not want to eat, then they'll have blood coming out of their eyes, and then they'll die or something. And yep. um, yeah, he's like, you know, this is going to happen one by one to your family members unless you kill someone and put balance back in the world. Um, so Steven's like pretty, uh, you know, upset about this and kicks him out of the hospital. And, uh, and then we see Kim, the daughter start to lose her feeling in her leg suddenly and she's paralyzed. So now we kind of know like, oh shoot, you know, like this is actually true. Yep. Uh, so then, uh, Steven and Anna, they don't know what to do. Um, they're kind of getting frustrated. None of the tests uh, are working. They're not able to figure out, you know, how to cure them. And so out of frustration, Steven ends up kidnapping Martin and like tries beating him up, but that's not helping. Um, so then it's also revealed like Anna does some investigative work on her own and finds out that Stephen uh, was kind of responsible for the death of Martin's dad because he was drunk the day that he was doing the surgery. Um, and so, you know, his anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist uh, admits that like, yeah, Stephen was drunk and probably led to the death. So now they've kind of figured out that, okay, we've got to kill someone in our family to save the rest. And I thought there were like a few interesting conversations where Steven's like trying to figure out which of his kids to kill. Like he goes to the school counselor 
and he's like asking, well, which one's like actually the best and stuff. What, what do you yeah, think of he, all that? He's, he's like asking, he's asking some questions where he's kind of beating around the bush, like how each of them does in school. And then he just comes right out and says, which would you say is the best? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. You had to pick one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the lines where you're like, okay, this is a black comedy. Like, like they yeah. are trying to make some outright comedy of this. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. And everyone's, like, so serious the whole time. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's nary a smile in the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like, they're all sucking up to the dad, too. Oh, yeah. Like, trying yeah. to get on his good side. And, mm-hmm. and the wife, Nicole Kidman, just suggests that he should kill one of the kids because they can always make another one. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, so each of the family members are basically trying to save themselves, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah. this sounds funnier than it's played in the film. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's so, just all so flat that... Yeah, it, it's so serious in the film. <laughs> it's kind of more depressing than it is comedic in the film. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't even pick up on that. Like, yeah, Nicole Kidman, she's... Uh, yeah, Anna is trying to say, like, oh, you just kill one of the kids. Uh, we can make another one. I think the daughter, like, actually tries, like, escaping the house, like, dragging her body, like, halfway down the street. And they go, like, pick her up in the minivan and bring her back. <laughs> And then uh, the son is just trying to, like, humanize himself, t- telling his dad, like, oh, when I grow up, I kind of want to be like you, and I've got these best friends and stuff. Uh, just really trying to, like, talk a big game about himself. And then the kids are even, like, talking to each other around, oh, you know, you're probably going to be the one that he has to kill. But, like, totally serious the whole time, which is wild. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and at one point, like, they're in a, a crisis mode, and he goes up to the room and asks the wife to come downstairs. And she's uh-huh. making the bed, and she's like, now <laughs> it's yeah. like um, your kids are dying she's yeah. like finishing making the bed yeah that was a crazy part of the whole film like all this crazy stuff's going on but uh they're still uh talking about like oh we got to water the plants or let's get out to let's go out this weekend to like a cabin they're just like the conversation doesn't really like move in the way you would expect like people who would be panicking this type of situation for it to go which yeah they just they're just like very selfish and pragmatic and emotionless yeah, pragmatic. That's that's a good way. Yeah, right. Which you know they're they're doctors, so maybe it's kind of a commentary on these surgeons who are very mechanical or something. I don't maybe. know. But uh, and their they, house is like spotless. It's just like a very icy, cold, mechanical vibe throughout the whole yeah. film. Yeah, kind of like a Stepford Wives type situation. Like everything's like too perfect, but like not really human right. in a way. Yep. Yeah. Um, so all this kind of culminates into the scene where Stephen. Finally realizes he has to kill his whole family. He goes up and asks uh, his wife to come down where his kids are uh, while she's fixing the bed. She comes down. The next scene, like, they're all, like, duct taped up. uh, And Steven's got each of their heads covered with a pillowcase. And he kind of puts a mask over himself and starts spinning around the room with a shotgun. And, like, taking shots, just, like, trying to kill someone at random. Which seemed like a really uh, hard thing to, like, you know, if you're going to kill someone, that, that just... You're in this room, like, spinning around 360, and what are the chances you're going to hit someone? Yeah. (laughs) And he took quite a few shots. Yeah, yeah. He takes, like, two, three shots, doesn't hit someone. Finally, he he shoots, and it ends up killing uh, his son, Bob. Um, So then the movie ends with, like, the three are now, like, eating at a diner. Uh, You know, the daughter who's recovered and the husband and wife, uh, Stephen and Anna. And then Martin walks into the diner, and they just kind of, like, look at each other, and, and then the family walks out. Um, which, yeah, I think that's kind of where it ends, right? 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I noticed something here that and I want to ask you if you think it means something, because I know you're always finding a deeper meaning. At the beginning of the movie, um, Colin Farrell and Martin are eating in this diner, and right. Martin is saving his fries for last, and they go out of their way to discuss that and make a point of it. Oh, And then at this last that. scene in the diner, the daughter is eating her fries first. Wow, yeah. She like douses them I with ketchup. I had no idea and... if that meant anything or not. That's got to mean something. You got like two bookend scenes about French fries. Makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah I, wonder, I wonder what that could imply. Putting the best for last or having the last first. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're right. There's probably some kind of uh, meaning in that. Look at good yeah. catch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, overall, I'd say like this is pretty like a disturbing and, and fucked up movie, right? It is very disturbing and very messed up, especially like when he shoots his son. It's like a 12-year-old kid, and you just see this blood pouring out of the sheet. Like, yeah, assumably he shot him in the, presumably he shot him in the face. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, imagine like if that had hit like anywhere else, like you'd have had this kid crying or, uh, or shoot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, it got him pretty messy. Yeah. It's a dark movie, that's for sure. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of where this movie succeeds in being like a horror film. It's just like it's so unsettling. The the conversations between the characters are just like so uh, mechanical and unreal. And there's like this crazy thing going on that like they're not even really talking to. So I feel like the whole movie just feels really awkward. Like you don't know what to buy into because these characters aren't really giving it their all. Even though I think there is one scene, right, where he kind of almost explodes. Yeah, there's one scene where you see Colin Farrell's Colin Farrell's character crying. Is this in, this and then is there's in the, another scene where mm-hmm. he flips out in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, right. Which was actually kind of funny too, but also <laughs> one of the rare instances where anyone showed emotion. Yeah, he's like <laughs> having this fit and like yelling like where the pubes at because he's trying to see if there's a cure for, uh, for like this kind of witchcraft or whatever. Yeah, he's saying they need the pubes of a virgin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sidebar. Did he remind you of anyone we know? Colin Farrell's character. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I can think of. You got somebody in mind? Uh, yeah. I, I feel like we have a friend in LA who's kind of, uh, you know, in, in the sense a little bit. Uh, you know, when it comes to <laughs> maybe flat a second line. <laughs> yeah, flat deliveries. Mm-hmm. Uh, a low hairline and like a beard. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah, felt felt like some familiar territory. (laughs) Who's been known to say things like the event itself was as expected? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we all know someone like that. (laughs) Yeah, but I I don't know, I I think that was like really part of the unsettling and and horrific parts of the film. Uh, What did you think? Yeah, that guy's actually, that friend is one of the most horrifying parts of my life. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Isn't he? No, yeah, it was un- it was very unsettling. Just and there was no it wasn't just this family. There was no character or anybody who interacted with the family in this film that didn't talk like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So it was just the world that was created here. Yeah. Like it was just a hyper stylized movie. Even the way it was shot was very cold. A lot of white, clean surfaces, like in the hospital, there'd be yep. shots like down a Long, white, well-lit hallway. A lot of shots were from far away. Like, it, mm-hmm. it kind of started to feel like a uh, 
a trademark after a while, and I noticed in the favorite there's quite a few shots like that too. Oh, yeah, it must be a stylistic choice of his. Yeah. So it was just a very unsettling movie, which is great for a horror movie, but it was also very hard to get attached to it or to really mm. inhabit it because you felt so distanced and off-put by it. Put off by it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah, that's interesting because yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Like, it, it, you're very removed. It's, it feels like very sterile, um, and it's almost like you're kind of just watching like these, uh, you know, figures kind of interact with each other, and, and there isn't like a lot of personality embedded in there. But I, I don't know. I feel like the the plot uh, kind of kept you going, just like at the how ridiculous it was, or you didn't really know like what was gonna like that. Kind of gave a sense of unpredictability because you didn't really understand these characters or like this world that they're living in. Uh, did you didn't feel any of that? No, I agree. The concept is great, and and Martin is honestly like one of the best horror movie villains ever to me. Oh my like, god, yeah. He's just chilling. Um, yeah. And you don't understand, nor do they spend any time or effort or need to make you understand how Martin could be doing this, making right. each one of the family members sick with this strange illness that no doctor or therapist or psychologist can diagnose. Right. So it's kind of like he has some supernatural power, but this isn't a movie where you would even think of the word supernatural to describe. Yeah, no, good point. I, I, yeah, and I think that's like part of like what's so scary about Martin is like he just like this is all like normal to him. He's just like, well, we're just putting we, we, we got to do this because we got to balance it. He's just acting like it's such a matter of fact kind of thing. And like this family is kind of flipping out, like trying to like beat him up and like get him to stop. But he's like, I, I think that's what makes him so scary is he doesn't like blink an eye about this yeah and there's for as chilling and terrifying as he is there's zero menace in his attitude he doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel like he's doing anything wrong it's just cold hard logic yeah yeah and that exactly. makes it all the more creepy yep yep yeah what a, what a crazy combination and, and he's just he like looks like this young kid which makes it weirder yeah and he has a i think realistically he's probably in his late 20s maybe but he's playing mm -hmm. a character who's 16 years old and yep. he really he looks 16 he's got a baby face yeah yeah he and does. his expression the whole time is just so blank and kind of harmless i it's, know it makes it downright <laughs> disturbing what he's doing yeah yeah that's that's like the yeah the worst combination like someone like so menacing but who just doesn't look like it or acknowledge it at all just like kind of yeah. endearing yeah that was, yeah. was messed up so Overall, uh, how many family members duct taped with pillowcases on their heads would you give this one? I would give this three family members duct taped with pillowcases on their heads. Mm. I This is one of the rare cases where I changed my rating since I, <laughs> since I watched the movie and since I logged it on uh, Letterboxd. I, uh, I keep thinking about this movie and I'm appreciating more and more about it. Yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 I, did, I, you were originally like at a two or something? 2.5. Oh, okay. Because it was downright unpleasant to watch, which is common for really dark horror movies, but it was also like I stopped wanting to watch or caring because it was like, why do I want to watch this family? They suck. Yeah. Like, it was just a bunch of horrible people. Yeah. Um, I actually read a review, a user review on Letterboxd of The Favorite after we watched that that said, Yorgos really doesn't like people. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And I didn't understand it then, but yeah. now I do. Is, is, is it, he does like a similar treatment of people in The Favorite? 
Um, not to such extremes, but yeah, everyone in the favorite is uh, kind of a dick. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm or surprised. just out. They're all very selfish and pragmatic. Sure, sure. Uh, so I, I'm just surprised like this movie because I, I feel like I, I mean I agree with you. I feel like Stephen was uh, like that, and I could see elements of his wife Anna being like that. And, and yeah, actually now Martin, I guess, was kind of like that. Um, the kids, though, I thought they were. Um, they seemed like kind of endearing or like people that, you know, had more personality or weren't as like selfish or out for themselves. Yeah, but they were like towards the end, it was kind of real. You kind of realized <laughs> what they were doing too, which True. maybe that's natural and people would do that in that situation. <laughs> it's natural. Um, yeah. It, in that situation where like one of you have to die to save the rest. Yeah. 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 It's all about like self-preservation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't think we've mentioned the phrase trolley problem yet, but that's essentially what this is. You can either let oh. multiple people die without taking action, or you can take action and directly kill one person to save the rest. Yeah, yeah, not a good point. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The, towards the end, the daughter starts to... The daughter knows what's happening somehow, even though no one's explained it to her, at least not on camera. Maybe right. Martin explained it to her since they have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of seems to be cool with it, and she still likes Martin. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then, yeah, they're each kind of just touting themselves to their dad and trying to curry his favor. Yeah, I guess you're right. And the mom, like, I think if this situation happened in real life, you can't say what somebody would do, but you would think that a mom would say, I will mm-hmm. take one for the team here so that my children can live, or a dad. Yeah, you think like the maternal, the paternal instincts would kick in. Yeah, um, but yeah, it didn't seem like that it is not so. Yeah, now yeah. that you point, now that you point that out, that, that that's really uh, a good point. I thought there was a point though where the daughter was like willing to sacrifice herself. Uh, wasn't there a scene after she tries to escape and they bring her back? Uh, she's saying like, "Just take me" or something. Yeah, but I read that as her trying to make herself seem noble, oh. and uh, you know put the spotlight onto how great she is yeah, so yeah. that the dad wouldn't wouldn't kill her. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, no, that's, I, I didn't think about it that way, but you're, you're right. It is kind of like a really self-interest-driven movie of self-preservation. Um, people just yeah. kind of acting in their own interests and not really communicating or, yeah, no kind of fami- family uh, instincts there. Yeah, but, I mean, it works to create a very unsettling atmosphere. This is a very mm-hmm. well-made film. I think Yorgos got exactly what he wanted. Yeah. So exactly. I, I can't say it's bad. Like it, it works uh, yeah. for some weird reason. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd, I'd probably give it uh, three and a half uh, just for the same reasons. It's, it's entirely unsettling. It's a hard watch, uh, but it, it's like so original. It kind of keeps you glued to like this. Uh, yeah, some, some, I've never seen anything like this where it's just people who don't like function or talk to each other and um, kind of like this crazy element that comes into the world and and uh, just like how it plays, it's kind of like watching like a science experiment. Uh, you're just kind of wondering like how what's going to happen next. So unpredictable. It's crazy. Yeah, and Hereditary had a little bit of this. I mean, people clearly cared about each other in Hereditary, but there was so yeah. much distance between the family members and true uh, resentment and stuff too. That that there was a palpable tension and awkwardness and yeah, uh, like a lack of social ease there as well. That's an interesting comparison because I, I, you're right. Like in Hereditary, there's that, but I feel that uh, that tension or that emotion thing that they have in Hereditary. Like, I mean, yeah, you're right. They're distant, but maybe it's because they're carrying like emotional baggage. 
that part uh, I think was missing in this one. Like I didn't feel like they were purposefully carrying any emotions against each other. They were just kind of, uh, you know, emotionless in general. Yeah, yeah, that's a great description. It was, it's kind of the same thing, but there was so much under under the radar in Hereditary or kind of swimming beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's just that they're, it's cold and shallow. <laughs> yeah. And Hereditary had some shallow interactions because there was so much bubbling underneath that nobody could, could articulate or was willing to say to each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're, they're yeah. very similar and very opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two very different effects. Um, but yeah, this this is a pretty crazy movie overall. Indeed. Uh, anything else you want to call out on this one before we wrap it up? No, that's it. It's it's a fun movie to talk about. Yeah, yeah, definitely definitely an interesting one to watch. It. I I always enjoy like I feel like there are a handful of, like these horror films out there that are just like these crazy concepts like Tuscan stuff, which is just like the most absurd thing that people kind of like take to an extreme end and just it, it makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, you think that's a genre of film or you just think it's a trend? An interesting conversation genre? <laughs> yeah. Or just like a really outlandish uh, I guess, yeah. plot? Yeah, in a different way than like a leprechaun, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you... It's, it's strange because this is so outrageous, but it's also not necessarily that outrageous. Like the trolley yeah. problem is a well-known social psychological discussion i guess yeah you're right there's nothing new about that Mm -hmm. but i think it's really just kind of the execution Mm -hmm. that makes this movie stand out yeah yeah he's a good director good uh good addition to the a24 catalog indeed cool it's so a24 of you (laughs) yeah it's a really catchphrase <laughs> I think we're, we've gotten a little Alicia Silverstone in there. Yeah, I know. I hope that continues going on. She needed to come back. Yeah, but. I would. I would definitely watch more of her. Oh man, she got like. I think the last I heard of her was that she was on YouTube feeding her kid like a baby bird. Like she would oh, chew the food no. and then spit it into his mouth. Oh man, really? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Oh god, that's so bad. Unfortunate. Yeah. 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 That's, that's I kind of I feel like she had like a book about being vegetarian or something like that. <laughs> she she went from vegetarian to like sp- spitting up bird food or bo- birds, <laughs> yeah. dead birds and their kids mouth. That's fucked up. So it's the next step. Yeah, yeah. After vegetarian, vegan. vegan, baby bird net. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's it for our discussion today on. Uh, killing the killing of a sacred deer if you enjoyed this episode uh, give us a review on iTunes um, we'd love to hear uh, from you how you like this episode um, if you want to let us know how you felt about the movie you know, shoot us a note on Facebook um, and if you want to join the discussion you can find all our social links uh, on website on our website horrormovieclub.com or just shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it beforehand. Uh, so check us out there. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're in a situation where you have to kill a member of your family, maybe draw straws instead of shooting around at all your furniture. Yeah. All right. Or baby bird it and see who, who receives it best. 
<laughs> Who swallows it like a champ? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>